0: Today, looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad.
1: Take a look at history.
2: Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things in United. I'm JCM Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is over there. So, hey, Joe hey sam hey man how we doing good i'm doing good i'm doing good oh good 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 we, we have a special a special preview h today we're really excited about it we have a special guest on the other line all the way on the west coast from sounder at heart the founder of sounder at heart managing editor of SB Nation soccer jeremiah oshan is joining us did i, did I say it right
0: you said my name right. You gave me a much more, much more uh, fancy sounding title than I really have, but uh, I'll I won't I won't bother to. I will correct one thing. I am not actually the founder of Sounder Heart. I've been with the site for a very long time, but Dave Clark is the founder. Oh, uh, he I'll, did. I'll, I'll okay. let everything else okay. be. Uh, oh, we don't need to share business cards here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Gosh, gotcha. no. We'll let you claim it. Well, what, what you made me thing? sound very important,
1: which I appreciate. You, you well, are. What, you are.
0: What, You're on here.
1: What was the title you gave yourself before when we were just chatting earlier about it? Very United important Chans? in the world of U.S. soccer, yes. I believe, was the title. Oh, yeah, that's it, right. So. That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very important. Very important uh, to U.S. soccer. Very important in the, the Seattle Sounders community as well. Uh, Jeremiah is going to be our expert on the Sounders going to this one since we usually just kind of look at Wikipedia for a few seconds before we actually talk about <laughs> the teams we preview. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to be much sharper today, much more on point. That, to talk about a team that... We we try to be positive on this show. Do we? (laughs) We (laughs) Okay, that might have been a lie. We have a Um, segment
1: called Reason to Hate.
2: Right.
0: That's a good good segment. That's a good segment, right? (laughs) I like that idea. (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, I I don't know. I'm window dressing, I guess, here. Um, Even if we were a podcast that wasn't constantly cynical and and terrible about everything, um, it it would honestly be kind of hard to find a lot of positives for Seattle this season. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I say that from a place where we, we you know, love and respect oh, Seattle idea. from
0: afar. I'm uh, sure but, Sounders fans would tend would agree with you, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. I'm just wondering, is are you personally kind of shell-shocked about all of this? Uh, Seattle coming into this one, 10th in the West, four wins, four draws, 19 losses, 16 points. It hasn't been pretty.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say that we're shell shocked at this point, partly because it's, it's not like, you know, we're, you know, we've been kind of living this for a while. Um, and, and the Sounders aren't playing their worst soccer of the season right now. They're, you know, like, I don't know. They, they got a decent result. I know some people were not super thrilled. They they didn't play a, a particularly attractive game against, uh, against new England, but it was a, it was a decent result and they won earlier in the week. So it's not like this, like, and this is what's crazy. That's the first time this season that the Sounders have followed a win with any kind of point. Like that's, that kind of shows how bad the season has been going is that, uh, they've, they've, I mean, it's just been, it's been a real struggle, but what's also, I think leads to this is there's this kind of sense of, we've been through this before. I mean, the last two years, the Sounders weren't in a very similar situation that, uh, to what they are right now. And, and so I think there is, you know, it's, I would say that that's, that doesn't mean that we're not upset. And I would say that most of, uh, the Sounders world are pretty pessimistic about the possibility of actually getting into the playoffs and more importantly, contending for another MLS cup final berth. uh, but I think there is this, there's kind of like a maybe not a, a an acceptance of it, but it's just not like it's 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 not out of nowhere. You know, it's not like we were riding high and then all of a sudden the
1: season fell we're not Orlando City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You're fitting oh, Orlando no
1: one in. is, no one is. Now so do you is that would you say there's still like optimism for this season, or are you kind of like are you are you already kind of in the mode of like how the team is going to get into the best condition to get next year up and running.
0: it sounds, it sounds
1: like like you sound like you guys still, you know, like you said, you you've done this a few times. There still might be some hope.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's some optimism, especially around the idea that uh, Raul Rui Diaz is, uh, is potentially going to make his debut this week. So just, even if it's just like seeing how the team looks for the rest of the year, I think is at least for me, gives me some reason to want to pay attention Um, And I don't think, I don't think a run to the playoffs is totally out of the question. You know, if they, if they put together a run like they did the last two years, which admittedly were kind of historic runs. um, I I think that they'll, they'll be in the race. And I think seeing the Sounders in the race would probably be sufficient for me just to feel like that. I'm not wasting my time watching this team. Yeah. That's something. Right. Uh, But I don't, I like, I don't, I would be shocked if it. Well, I shouldn't say that. If the Sounders get back to the playoffs, I don't know that the West looks particularly daunting to me. I think, like, and I said this the last two years, that if the Sounders can just get to the playoffs, making a run at the finals doesn't seem that crazy because there's no one in the West that, to me, looks head and shoulders above. Uh, you know where the like if the if you look at what the Sounders would have to do, what they would have to look like in order to make the playoffs. They'd have to probably get 31, 32 points from here on out. You know, like, if that's the team that goes into the playoffs, I don't know that Sporting Kansas City or FC Dallas or Houston Dynamo or whoever else looks like, un, like un, or LAFC, look like unbeatable teams to me. And, and like, LAFC might be the best team in the West right now, at least as far as they're playing. And the Sounders played them twice, lost collectively 2-0. Uh, in one of those games, they absolutely dominated and just couldn't find the back of the net and the other one they gave up a 94th minute goal on a freak on you know like on the biggest one of the biggest mistakes our goalkeeper has ever made. Mm-hmm. So like there's not like in and then like Sporting Kansas City they played them once, they played them to 2-2. Uh you know they FC Dallas granted destroyed the Sounders 3-0, but that was also a weird game because the Sounders were coming off that midweek game against Chivas. So, you know, I, like I get not, what-
1: I get what you're saying because, you know, if, if you say they, they need 30 points the rest of the season, I mean, that's basically what Real Salt Lake has done this year. I mean, they have, they're they in fourth right now. They have 29 points, and, you know, and we're about at the halfway mark. So it's not unthinkable to think that.
0: No. You know, I, that, right.
1: This big striker coming in.
0: Right. Exactly. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I don't right. think it's the craziest. Like, it was, to me, it was a lot crazier to think that they were going to turn 2016 around, which is, you know, they were in the doldrums and they were looking awful. And, uh, and that was a little bit more of a shell shock because it was like, hey, we thought this team was going to contend for an MLS Cup this year.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they did, did,
0: but not the way we thought they were going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking
2: at that 2016 team, I'm looking at the standings right now. They finished with a plus one goal differential. Fourth right. of the comp. <laughs> yeah, they went on to win MLS Cup. It, it's so. funny if,
1: if you look at the standings, you know, you at Minnesota United's three points better than Seattle Sounders. If I were to choose one or the other, I would definitely take Seattle to, to, you know, for a better chance to make it up into the playoffs. And that's basically just looking at their defensive record. You know, Seattle's given up 22 goals this year as opposed to Minnesota United, who, although they have three more points, they've given up 36 goals. You know, you've got all these all these bad teams. If you look at, you know, the ones at the bottom of the table in the West, they're all giving up tons, uh, huge amounts of goals, except Seattle. So I think that that kind of gives them a fighting chance, especially when, you know, you bring in an attacking player who might help spark that. The right their
0: defense has been pretty good for the most part their offense has just been unwatchable though and yeah. that's and that's you know and you can blame that on a number of different factors but uh you know like again like if you tell me that they're gonna put out a team maybe not this week but next week that has you know clint dempsey on the bench and that has magnus wolf on the bench and has osvaldo Alonso on the bench and has roman torres on the bench like well that tells me that you probably got some pretty good starters and uh and like I would think that team can compete and potentially make a run, but you know, who knows? We'll see.
2: I do want to talk about the attack a little bit. Just want to throw out some stats here real quick. Seattle on the year, just fifteen goals scored. Uh Will Bruin right now is the only so Seattle player with more than one goal on this is that entire true? team. What
0: God, is that, that true? Is- Horrible. Absolutely true. <laughs>
2: I think in MLS, um five goals for Will Bruin, uh, and no one else has more than one in God, MLS. That, that about, is according I, I
0: obviously haven't looked at those particular stats recently, but that's appalling. <laughs> it's not pretty. <frigging. laughs> that is appalling. I can get, <laughs> I, I, I
2: can get into <laughs> metrics a little bit. I'm not going to torture you with, with XG and stuff like that, too, because it doesn't get better. No, I know. Um, that's,
0: and I will say this, that last season, you know, one of the big differences last year was that, like – at this point last year, the Sounders weren't in a much better – they were in a better position, but not a hugely better position. But their XG was telling us that, oh, hey, this team's just got some bad luck, and they had hit the post like nine or ten times. They don't have a penalty – they don't have a penalty yet this year. <laughs> oh they barely God. have a penalty shout this year. Uh, I don't know that they've hit the post yet. I mean, it's un- – like, they're so bad off <laughs>
2: That's... oh well, God, I, I feel for you. I feel for you. But I, I think Joe's kind of about to get at it, too, but I'm going to go and cut him off and go ahead and just ask about um, Raul Ria Diaz. Ria Diaz? Is, is that how Ruiz we're saying Diaz. it here?
0: Rui Diaz. Rui Diaz. Yeah. Okay,
2: gotcha, gotcha. $7 million transfer from the Liga MX side. Menarcus, uh tell us about him a little bit. Can we expect to see him Sunday? And what kind of impact do you think he'll have on this attack that's been so stagnant? Uh.
0: So... I think we're going to see him in the words of Brian Schmetzer, who today talked to the media said, as long as the, if the U S government doesn't screw it up, uh, <laughs> we should see him on, on Sunday. Uh, basically, so we're
2: absolutely not seeing him Sunday then. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, so he's in Peru. He he's met with the consulate, you know, they to get a visa, they need to, you know, have a meeting with the consulate and, uh, and so he's done that, and it's just a matter of the of the visa actually being approved, and then he can he can basically come back to the United States, and he can play. Uh, the expectation is that he'll probably get his visa tomorrow or the next day, and then he'll meet the team in Atlanta on Friday or Saturday, and he'll probably get like a day of maybe two days of training with the team. And so, it, like, that's a lot of that's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he that gets it all done and he's, and if he's there, if he's eligible to play, I would almost guarantee that he'll, he'll play on Sunday. I don't think he'll start. I don't think there's really a, there's not really a scenario, a realistic scenario that I think sees him starting, but I, I do think he'll play. And the kind of player he is, is, um you know, I'm like, I guess maybe what I would liken him to is, is like Chris Wondolowski but with a little bit more, with more physical ability. Like he's not a, he's not necessarily, he's not someone who's going to win a bunch of duels and he's not going to, you know, wow you with like lots of, you know, uh, amazing physical attributes. He is pretty fast. He's, he's pretty small though. Uh, He can score some amazing goals, but what his, he specializes in doing is just kind of getting lost and getting, getting open, getting free. He's much more of a poacher than he is like a number nine who's going to sit there and, and hold up the ball, but he'll, he's not going to come back. He's not going to track back a lot. He's not going to probably be involved in possession a ton, but he's going to, you know, look for little seams and little gaps. And, you know, you look at a highlight reel of him and he's scored some impressive goals. Um, yeah, so that. he's, he, he, he could definitely play, uh, but you know, it's, he's, he's someone who might only get 15 or 20 touches in a, it, even if he's, playing well
1: right that's funny the way you describe him you know when the way you were describing him, the only the person I was thinking of is Joseph Martinez that's kind of of his game is like he doesn't he's not on the ball that much um he's (laughs) I don't know if you've heard this but you know many Atlanta fans have have gotten on him for kind of walking behind the back line because he's trying to get himself lost he's trying to get himself you know into positions where where central defenders can't keep tabs on him um, and he's just kind of a an opportunist type of player, where hopefully he can get on the end of a, a through ball yeah, or something.
0: I would say they're they're probably very similar types of players. Uh, obviously, the sound should be thrilled if he has anything like the success that Joseph Martinez has. <laughs> uh, but you know, it is it, it was always funny to me. this is like the this is the criticism that follows. Like every decent striker in MLS, uh, for the most part, is that God, they're so lazy, uh, <laughs> and it's like if they would only run more. They would do so much better, and it's like, no one ever, very few, those same people never seem to take a step back and go, you realize we think this about every good, like, you know, people used to say this about Freddie Montero all the time in Seattle, which is like, God, he's just so lazy, uh, and it's like, yeah, all he does is score goals and assist goals and, you know, make everyone around him better, but.
1: It's the FIFA generation where everyone's just right. used to holding right trigger the entire game, and right. you know, exactly it, while they're eating popcorn and doing drinking soda <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> tell well, us e Diaz.
2: In, 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 I do want to say this real quick. And Liga MX has been lazy enough to score forty goals over the last two years. <laughs> yeah, uh, so <laughs> it's working out for him.
1: It has worked out for him pretty well. Yeah, He, he could was, have fifty. He could have fifty if he just you say, know, if
2: he just lot. stayed on side. Right, exactly. <laughs> By the way, Joseph Martinez, 18 goals. Uh, Seattle, 15. Just want to point that out. (laughs) Um...
0: That's going to be an interesting one to watch. I'd I'd like to think that the Sounders will be able to catch Joseph uh, by the end of the year, but that that might be a tight race. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, speaking of you know, uh, Rui Diaz was was a a World Cup player, and as is um, Gustav Svensson and Roman Torres, are are you expecting them to start, or do you think they're probably just going to come off the bench? I, are, are they back in training? Kind of, can you oh, give us yeah? So T- support on them?
0: Torres was Torres was back in training today. This was his first day training. He hurt his ankle. If you, I don't know what you why you would have been paying attention to this, but in the <laughs> that last Panama game, he actually managed to get himself hurt. Uh, he hurt his ankle and I actually did see that because I'm a degenerate gambler. There you go. Uh, so that would be the only reason to watch that game. Uh, but yeah, so he got hurt and he's kind of, so he's questionable for this week. I, I don't I wasn't at training. I just kind of read the reports. Um, uh, my suspicion is that he probably won't, he won't start. I would be shocked if he started, uh, he might, they might travel him. Uh, We'll see. I guess it depends on how serious that is. Svensson is not officially back in training yet, uh, but it sounded like the Sounders were pretty optimistic that he, he would be back. Uh, They're kind of, they, they've done this every, every time there's a big tournament uh, with international players. They've been really, uh, really like, they've let players come back on their own schedule, essentially. Like they've never, rushed players back they've never really put a lot of pressure on players to get back immediately uh you know neither svensson nor torres or torres played a lot but he's been out for a while like he's been resting for a while but svensson didn't play a ton Rui diaz didn't play a ton so there's there's pretty good reason to think that they can physically be back relatively quickly and and it's not like svensson played a lot more minutes than he would have if he had just been with the sounders this whole time so my suspicion is that svensson will probably start if he gets back to training by tomorrow and if he's not back by tomorrow that would his first day of training would be till Thursday that might be a little tougher but Mm -hmm. um, I would my suspicion is that Svensson will start Torres may or may not travel but he won't start anyway Rui Diaz uh, if he's available he'll play but he won't start
1: gotcha and then I I had one last thing I kind of wanted to ask you about Um, I, I don't know if Sam will have anything else but I want to get your take on on Brian Schmetzer. So um I just kind of wanted to ask if he's on the hot seat. It's so funny because he's like the nicest
0: person yes. in MLS.
1: Like, like you know, I, I've watched uh what what's the 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 big event that you guys put on every year, oh, Con Yacht Con. Yacht-Con. Yeah, I watched yes. the entire Yacht I watched your interview with him. Um, oh well, I'm glad he, you enjoyed. It. I'm glad you watched it. I don't know if you enjoyed it, but I'm glad you watched it. <laughs> I did, and it, he's just an incredibly sweet man. Um, yeah. And a little
0: it, anecdote about that. So, yeah.
1: so this is like
0: a pretty good encapsulation of what's so hard about discussing Brian Schmetzer is that, you know, he, he and I had talked about this event for a while. And so he had told me that he was going to be there like no bones about, Like he would, he would be there. And I was like, okay, great. And I had this whole plan that it was He was going to be part of the, like, we had this panel at the end where, uh you know it ended up being christian and alex will and garth legaway and my intention was for him to be part of that panel but as it turned out his schedule didn't really work out and he said i will i'll be there but i gotta be there at this time and i said okay i guess we'll just do i'll just interview you as kind of like a like a standalone kind of piece to this and um and he and he was just like and he was like ask me anything just like go for it. And they they just played Santa Tecla in the champions league. They'd made some kind of questionable substitutions. Uh, Jordan Morris had gotten hurt and he was like, no, you need to ask me about this stuff. I know people are wondering about it. Like put me on the hot seat, Uh, make me answer this stuff. And, and so we did. And, you know, I thought, you know, like whether or not you liked his answers or not is a secondary issue, but he was like, he was just made sure that he wanted to like, he was like, this is a situation where he's kind of doing me a favor And I'm inclined to like, maybe not press him too hard, but he was like, no, this is, these are, these are fans. They deserve these answers, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he's like a card carrying member of ECS. He's lived here his whole life. He's from here. He played, you know, he played youth soccer in the area. He's coached like every decent soccer player to come through the area. He's been involved with in some way. And so he's kind of an institution and people love him and he's the nicest guy and he's very genuine. And the way you see him on TV is the way that I've, every interaction I've had with him is, has been kind of the same thing. And so it really, it sucks to think about like him being on the hot seat because we like him so much. And we, it's like, he's in a lot of ways, the platonic ideal of what you want a head coach to be in any right. league, uh, especially in a place like Seattle, who values this, their history and all these things. and, And he's really proud of the, of like the development system that's been here. And, and so, but at the same time, he's made a lot of decisions that are easy to question. And like, I know that he, like his substitution patterns drive me crazy. Like he's done, he keeps doing this thing where he subs out fullbacks and then doesn't change his formation, which to me, doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it's Like, why are you gonna bring in? Why are you gonna sub out one fullback for another? Like, why We're would you? Freshening, ever... up,
1: freshening up your fullbacks, yeah.
0: Right. It's like, why are you? Ref- why are you freshening up your? Like the other day against Portland, he used two sub. He only used two subs. They both it was a double switch in the eighty third minute, and there was no tactical change at all. Mm. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, wh- we just wanted new legs on the field to like chase a goal. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so there's there in and I, I know a lot of people around the league think that he's tactically just not uh his his tactical noose is just not up to par with uh I guess the uh the Tata Martinos of the world. And um although it, what's funny is that everyone points to Greg Vanny as this great counterexample of uh-huh. uh Brian Spencer and he
1: finds himself in the exact same position spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well it's it's funny you mentioned Greg Vanny because I kind of had this realization I, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of Seattle sound or uh, that the Seattle sounders, but you know, when I saw the MLS cup final last year, the changes seemed obvious to me, the ones that he needed to make tactically um, mm-hmm. to counter Vanny's system. Cause he was going with the diamond and mm-hmm. Schmetzer just kind of, it seemed like he just kept a, a flat more of a flat four, four, two, four, two, three, one type of thing. And, and Toronto's diamond, they were just able to pass right through them. Yes. Um, so yeah I'm just and there's something I mean not that that's necessarily a bad thing like you look at a a, a manager like Jose Mourinho Mm. he sets his team up in a pretty basic way and you know it, it it's as the results are showing this year it's a it's a sound fundamental system or defensive system and if you have the players in the attacking phase that can go out and just score goals and give them freedom then you know that's pretty good harmony. And maybe that's something that Schmetzer has tried to do um, in Seattle. I just don't, I just didn't, I just, it was just interesting to hear, hear your take on that. So do you think he, is he on the hot seat? Like, is, is he? I
0: I think that if the season, if like, let's just say they finish, let's just say Joseph Martinez scores more goals than the Sounders do this year. (laughs) Uh, I think that's maybe that could spell trouble for, for Brian Schmester. But there's so there's this other thing that's going on here that you may or may not be aware of, is that we are having, you know, Seattle has this election for yeah. uh, their general manager, a, a confidence, no confidence vote in the general manager. And this is the year that Garth Legway is up for re-election. And and so I don't think that that is driving the decision-making process on any serious level like I don't think they are but I do think that there's this underlying concern that you know if the team if the season continues to go the way that it is there's a pretty good chance that Legway is going to get is going to lose this election mm. and if he loses the election I think it's almost guaranteed they'll have to bring in a new GM and I would think that the new GM will almost certainly want to hire his own head coach. Right. Now, I guess it's possible they could hire Chris Henderson, who's the the sporting director of the team, which is essentially the assistant GM. He's like the head scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could just move him over, and I suppose Chris Henderson might choose to keep Schmetzer. Uh, Schmetzer. But my suspicion is that Schmetzer and and Lagway are kind of connected. Uh, their their like fates are somewhat connected, and. And so I think there's a a very real possibility that Schmetzer isn't back next year as the head coach. I would like to think that in some way they'll figure out a way to keep him in the organization. He's been involved in the organization for almost almost 40 years. I mean it's it's kind of unbelievable. He signed as a as a high school kid to the NASL Sounders and he's been involved with the organization in some way. There obviously there's not a literal continuous uh connection between like there was no professional there was no outdoor professional soccer in Seattle right. from 83 to 94 uh, but he he played for other teams that were kind of draw their connections to the Sounders in that time and anyway uh so yeah i mean i guess to some degree schmescher's on the on the hot seat i don't i i have a hard time envisioning a scenario where he gets fired midseason just mm-hmm. because i i think it would be kind of pointless uh, but I also said that about firing Siggy Schmidt back in 2016 and that worked <laughs> yeah. out. Okay. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah. you know,
1: maybe well, that's to- I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't know what's going to end up happening to him, but just that's, that's interesting. Really, really good insight. I think to just kind of know oh, yeah. his kind of backstory. That's really interesting. I didn't know. He, I knew he'd been around for a while involved, but not for, I didn't know he was, uh, a real local guy and stuff like that. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, it's
0: so funny. Like, he'll tell stories about, li- like, literally, like, Lake City is a neighborhood in Seattle. And he went to Nathan Hale High School, which is uh, uh, the local high school there. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like he's a real, like, his, his family owned this place called Schmetzer Sport House, which was a, uh, w- which was like the go to place that everyone got their soccer equipment forever and mm-hmm. recently closed. But, um, yeah, it's like they're like, he's he's like a genuine Seattle, his family is like genuine Seattle soccer institution.
1: This sounds like if Jason Longshore was like the Atlanta United manager.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like almost like that. Yeah. Except for, I don't know that Jason actually ever played for Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, no, teams, he didn't. But, yeah. um, I don't but think
2: yeah, Schmetzer I mean, could rock a goal either. I'm just going to put that right. out right. there. No <laughs> offense does. to him. Uh, well, it, it may not be easy to kind of predict exactly what is going to happen with, with Schmetzer and this team kind of going forward. But I do kind of want to get your prediction, Jeremiah, on just uh, one, what we can expect from Seattle on Sunday. Uh, what are you all going to do tactically and just kind of give an Atlanta fan who may not know everything there is to know about the Sounders, which is all of us probably, uh, exactly just kind of a base level knowledge of what we should expect from this team on Sunday.
0: Man, I would. This is a cop out answer, but I'll tell you. Like this team is, it's. I would say that they'll start out very conservatively. Like they're not gonna. They're not gonna. Like they're under no. They're not gonna come out and try to trade punches with Atlanta United. I don't think. Like I would be shocked if they can't. They like, they haven't done that on the road, basically since the <laughs> Schmetzer era started. Like he's been pretty conservative, especially on the road. And um, by the way, the the Sounders just stormed ahead two to one in this. Oh, Developmental Academy game, and the goal they went ahead on is uh, quite the impressive... uh, He basically chipped the keeper from the edge of the penalty area, which sounds counterintuitive, but I don't know how else to describe what he did. Uh, But anyway... What minute uh, minute is that game in? What'd you say? It's the getting ready for halftime. Oh, okay. Um, So, uh, yeah, tactically, I would say they'll they'll probably come out pretty conservative, uh, which will be frustrating because they'll probably have a reasonable amount of talent on the field. And you'll be wondering like, why are they playing so conservatively when they have Nico Ladero and Victor Rodriguez and potentially Clint Dempsey and Will Bruin in the attack. Um, and, and yet they will be kind of in a semi bunker and playing this weird style. So I think that my suspicion is that if Atlanta doesn't score in the first half, it will be a very frustrating first half for uh, the people in attendance. And then, and then maybe Rui Diaz, if if he plays, I'm guessing he'll come on around the 60th minute. And maybe it opens up at that point and we see a little bit more of a uh, a, a counter. Like the Sounders will open it up and, and try to get out on the break a little bit more. Uh, but my suspicion is the Sounders are going to play it pretty close to the vest. They're not going to open themselves up. They've been actually pretty good defensively. Um, I was just looking at this stat uh, the other day, uh, yesterday. And uh, I think their fourth best goals against average on the road in MLS, which... Is like a ray of hope, right? In the Sounders' awful season, like mm-hmm. they also are the one of the lowest scoring teams on the road. But uh, I guess which all speaks to they just aren't going to take a lot of risks. Uh, like this is not a team that is prepared to go out and and win a game four to three or three to two. Uh, frankly, especially on the road. So I think that they're just gonna they're gonna kind of try to keep tight formations, and they'll come out in their four two three one like they always do and although i sh- i guess they haven't always done that they've played some three back defenses um but yeah i don't i don't think you know i i could see atlanta winning this game 3-0 i could see the sounders uh pulling out a 1-0 victory if they're lucky um but i think the sounders are going to their their goal is going to you know if the sounders score twice that would be a pretty impressive
1: accomplishment mm-hmm. on the road for them well, I gotta say, Sounds I mean it's infuriating. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I I it's gonna
0: be I would I would guess it's not gonna be a it's definitely not gonna be a why I like I mean Atlanta could blow them out, but it's not gonna be because the Sounders are taking all these chances. <laughs> well yeah, it's been mean, such a
2: theme this year for us to just have teams right. come in and just sit there, you know? Uh yeah. so so it won't be entirely I, I feel new. But,
1: the Sounders have been in that position a lot over the years. That's what I was gonna say is that, you know, I think not only does that is that strategy or that tactic you know more comfortable for Schmetzer and the team but that's the exact kind of tactic that has kind of befuddled Lenny knight and they haven't been able to yeah penetrate those teams as much if you look at um a team like Montreal impacted that really gave atlanta Lenny a hard time uh even New York City FC I would say did that they kind of sat they sat pretty deep um mm-hmm. against us I mean we we've 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 had trouble uh, breaking down those teams. And those are always the games where, you know, fans say that the team can't finish because the team takes a bunch of, sh- bunch of shots because they're not really getting in behind. They're just taking a bunch of not so great shots. I think Portland actually did it the best. I would say that they were, they were the team that to kind of emulate um, in terms of a road team, especially, you know, obviously they're a, they're a West coast team um, coming all the country. And then they sat very deep. And what I was just so impressed with Portland Uh, with what they were able to do and what I don't think Seattle will be able to do as well is just transition um, in in counterattacking opportunities. They were extremely precise with their passing um, and were able to hurt Atlanta. Um, I don't think Seattle will be able to do that as well simply because there's just a little there's well I don't think they quite have the energy up front. I think when you look at guys like Will Bruin and and Clint Dempsey, you know, there's just like they don't have that that athletic dynamism to get up the field very quickly. And then obviously, how be, dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare you? But I guess. And then if you have a guy like Rui Diaz, you know, he's he may not be as familiar with his teammates and things won't be as fluid. So um, I think they'll 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 struggle in those in those scenarios. But I do think that, you know, like you said, there's every opportunity, there's every chance that they could come in and bunker in and Atlanta can't get past them. Yeah, I, I don't like I said I'm already mad. I know. <laughs>
0: I, I know I wish I could give you better news that the centers are just going to come out here and trade <laughs> matches, but I would be shocked if that's what happens. What do y'all think, think the
1: players are going to do? What do y'all think the players are going to do when the uh, World Cup final is going on and in the in the stadium? Do you think they'll be like watching it while they're warming up? Well, I don't even know if they'll be warming up. They might do that after after the game. I wonder if they'll just like what time's kickoff at two? Is kickoff
0: five o'clock local time?
1: Yeah. Uh no, two p.m. Two p.m. Two o'clock for us. Right. So five p.m. Guys.
0: Oh, two p.m. Your time. Two p.m. Our time. Right. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Right.
0: So I think the game. Uh, so,
2: uh, World Cup starts at eleven. So I mean, there there could be oh, some serious the overlap there.
0: The World Cup starts at eight my time. Eight. I your was time. thinking yes. that it started at eleven. Oh.
1: I saw I, I, I saw a tweet from someone earlier today raging about how the world cup starts at eight o'clock when there's it should be starting at 11 because that's when these semifinal games are starting 11 exactly. o'clock Pacific time. and he was just raging that you know the world C- fifa didn't fit his schedule <laughs> i'm raging you must too quietly yeah. <laughs> this is well, luckily we we're here to let you know yeah so you didn't right. miss it
0: yeah right no good i would have been really upset if i had missed it that would have been worse but uh yeah, that's so there's a so so the the game theoretically will end an hour before kickoff, though, right? Yeah, I think so.
1: I so think I would so. think
0: that the teams will because they don't come out into the field till an hour before the game usually. right? Yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah. So they'll probably be watching. I mean, I although it'd be interesting, like I was at a I was at the like this has happened a few times where I've been at games that were played after the uh, after the Champions League final. And what's funny, like, I don't know what the players were doing during that time, but fans, uh, so usually what happens is they, you know, they, they commit to showing the game on the big screen up until they reprogram it with like the game, like that day, you know, once the game day action kind of starts. And so that's usually about a half hour before the game. And, uh, and so like in, in Vancouver one, I was at for the, for the Chelsea Bayern final and that went to penalties and basically what happened is that once it went to penalties the stadium was like the seats were empty and everyone was in the concourse <laughs> just watching it was like the weirdest situation because you knew there was a lot of people there but like no one was in their seats and uh and so the game didn't obviously the champion the the game went final like right before kickoff and so it was just kind of this weird situation where there was uh all these all, all these people in this in in the uh In the concourse. And I would suspect that that's like, as long as the game ends in regulation, I don't think it will be that weird because they'll probably just have it on in the locker room. But,
1: right. uh, Yeah. It'll be, it'll be an interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I don't think this is ever. Well, it'll obviously be a for, be a first for people here. So, I I'm just yeah. I'm just kind of intrigued. I mean, obviously I'll get there early and to watch the game too. Um and I'm just kind of I'm all, I'm half interested in the game. I'm just half interested in to see what the vibe is like in the stadium and and around the stadium. So, it should be interesting Speaking because of normally we'd be tailgating tailgating at that time <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Speaking oh, of stadiums. No, no, We're still I, talking I, about the the
0: game here. I forget. <laughs>
2: I do want to ask Jeremiah while I'm while I'm thinking about it. Uh, we have had an email, the, the dreaded email, go out today to season ticket holders uh, saying that the prices are going up a little bit Uh-oh. here. Um, I just Did want you to talk to y'all like double it, it, digit it,
0: tickets per game now. Uh,
2: <laughs> how much of this is the, is the increase? I'm not even sure. Um, but I, I'm just wondering if similar things have happened. I'm sure they have in Seattle. Territory and uh, just kind of how y'all have reckoned with that as a fan base a little bit because we have some people who this is their first price hike they're not taking it too well. Let's just put it uh, that well.
0: Way. I think that's it's always tough because you know this is not so dissimilar than what happened in Seattle. So at, like what similar to what happened in in Atlanta, you know the Sounders. I would I I don't know exactly how they did things in Atlanta, but uh, what I can tell you is that in Seattle what they did is like th- that first year in 2009, which very much an unproven product, you know, MLS was a very different league at that time because Seattle hadn't actually become Seattle yet, which of course made the league what it is by itself. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they were kind of like, you know, they, they promised, you know, these really cheap prices and they, um, and, and they, and they even did this thing where they basically kind of promised people that they would never even see a price hike like in 2009 and then so in 2010 all the new season ticket holders had higher prices than the people in 2009 and those people were all upset that uh that they were paying more money than the 2009 people and that kind of that situation continued where the 2009 the people who bought in 2009 they did see some small price increases over the years but uh they always had much cheaper prices than than anyone that had come in later and then finally last year they did this kind of big what they called kind of like a price correction essentially and they went through and they broke the seat, the, the stadium into much smaller pricing uh mm-hmm. segments. so like you know you like seats that were essentially next to each other suddenly were different prices when like large swaths of sections used to basically be the same price and uh and so some people saw price increases some people saw price decreases a lot of people didn't see a big change didn't see much change at all but there were a handful of people that saw like pretty significant price increases and they had probably been getting a great deal all the time and it was just this big uproar and every we've actually had every like for the last few years we've had some level of price increase um maybe not across the board but and there's always there's always complaining i mean and, and the thing that's kind of wild to me is that you compare the even the most expensive tickets in mls and the sounders are definitely one of the more expensive teams in mls at this point uh but they you know you compare it to like what people are playing in the nfl or the nba or the nhl or even major league baseball and mls is still a scream and bargain now granted mls is not the top league in its in its class essentially the way that those other teams are and i know a lot of people will look at the epl or they'll look at germany or whatever and they'll say like oh they have much cheaper prices than we do here. And that's obviously a much better product without getting into the finances of it all. Yes. Seattle people do complain about ticket prices and no, it has not really had a huge effect on the bottom line in terms of how many season tickets they end up getting sold. But every year people are belly aching about it. And I'm not like, I I have season tickets. I'm not immune to this. I understand. I don't want to pay more for my season tickets either, but, um, Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, as, especially like, I know the rest of us look at Atlanta and we marvel at how, like, how can they be spending the money that they're spending and playing in the stadium that they're playing in and having, paying like a dollar for an all you can drink Coke apparently. (laughs) And, uh, and $5 for all you can eat chicken. Um, (laughs) and, and while the rest of us are paying $10 for, for soda and, uh, And so we look at the prices at in Atlanta, we don't know how people are doing it, but maybe,
1: maybe we're about to find out. Yeah. I think people uh, had a good deal and they still will be getting a good deal. I think with the, with the prices, I mean, you got to just compare, you know, what your value for the buck is that you're spending. And if, if your um, pro rated season ticket cost is going from $21 to $26, I mean, that's still just like the cost of like going to a movie or something, you know? And, and, um, the the yeah, experience is definitely that. still valuable. You know, you're still getting a great transaction there um, for 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 what you're spending. But yeah. I, I am curious to ask you about when you mentioned the whole price correction thing. Mm-hmm. Had when that happened, had Seattle recently gone to digital tickets, like all digital tickets?
0: They went. So Seattle went to. That's been kind of an ongoing. Okay, uh, it's been like a slow rollout. Gotcha. Uh, essentially, they. They started doing that back in 2012 probably where they started having more digital tickets. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they used to get a physical season ticket. Like there was a time when in the season ticket package, you got physical like printed tickets. Right. right. And then they cha- and then they transitioned to a card where you, uh, where you just got like a season ticket, like a, essentially it was like a credit card that you would uh, swipe every Mm -hmm. time. And then more recently they transitioned to seat geek, which was all digital. And the only way you could get a physical ticket was to like print out like a piece of paper, which is not very sexy. Um, But yeah, so they, that, that has been a thing that they are doing here. And I, I assume that you can still get physical tickets like from the
1: box office, but season ticket holders now just have a, essentially they just have an app so the reason I ask is because when all this was going down today I had somebody contact me who I actually on Twitter who I actually know um in real life and he had some great insight he said he he actually writes for another SBN um team team brand for for the Atlanta Hawks and he said that um, the Hawks have basically been doing this with digital tickets and they basically track you know they have a file basically for for every person I don't know if they're, it the name is necessarily attached to it like they don't know who is who exactly but they know how those tickets are moving and for right. what prices so right. that helps them understand what the value of the of the seat really is um, Right.
0: yes that's absolutely it's basically the same thing that's going on here where yeah they um because you know it's like they have their their approved ticket sellers and they have you know, so it's like they're able to track what the secondary market is and how those right. tickets are being sold. I mean, there's just so much more data available for ticket prices now. And on some level, like on obviously, I would love for ticket prices to be as cheap as they possibly can. But at the same time, it's hard for me to blame the team for saying like, hey, you're going out and reselling this ticket for twice what you bought it for. Why don't we just sell it to you for... 20% right. more,
1: you know. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um it's it, and I think that that's people kind of get mad because they don't understand this and yeah, like you said, this is same thing happened to us today when you're talking about the the correction like one, all these different sections are just going prices are are increasing by various, you know, amounts. Um and so I think people are struggling to come to terms with that but at the end of the day you just got to realize that you're you're still getting value for money and as long as you're when you're there when you're at a game if you feel passionate and you feel like you're having fun um you know you just have to decide if it's something that you want to keep paying for um and if you don't yeah that's I mean, fine too but you know
0: right. i mean ultimately that's what it comes down to is that if if what your question is is does every team freak out when they have price increases <laughs> yes that's the answer <laughs> I'm glad we wasted. We spent ten minutes to get,
1: to
2: get the yes. <laughs> well, they're paying for a pretty good product, and Joe, I think we should we get into that product a little bit with talking a bit about ourselves uh, as we kind of get into this preview. And then there's really not a whole lot to touch on, I don't think, uh, as far as what Atlanta United's going to do. Uh, you assume Gressel in midfield, yes, Joe Patrick? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the only real question is at this point is, are we going to see? the thick fielder eric remetti
1: yeah i don't i he was in training today i believe um or no he wasn't but he's com- coming into training this week so i would have to think that he's going to be in the squad i think that it would be smart to just get him on the bench just to at, le- at least just to get him kind of familiar with the routine and and all that i don't think it would hurt and i don't think like you know brandon vazquez's uh, spot right. on the bench is like, you know, that necessary um, that he wouldn't, you know, that we couldn't put Remedi in there. So I would put him in there um, if for no other reason than what I just described. Uh, I don't think he'll have like a big part to play in the way that this game is going to go because like I we've kind of talked about in previewing the game here, I think it's going to be Atlanta really dominating in terms of possession and, you know, he's, he's a holding midfielder. Tata Martino described him that way. Uh, When I talked to him a week ago or so, so um, I don't think that he, like as a profile of the player that he is, he's really going to be necessary. But I would like him to be in the squad. I would like to see him in there just, just to kind of get him familiar with the 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 atmosphere and the surroundings and all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, the the situation sounds very similar to what Jeremiah was talking about. Rui Rui Rui, Rui Diaz, Rui Diaz. Uh, as far as the playing time goes, mm-hmm. uh, they should absolutely sub him on at the same time as whatever time Rui Diaz comes on. Just as kind of like an intimidation factor, <laughs> I think. Jeremiah, I don't want to warn you, but we got this player coming in, and the the phrase is "dummy thick." The phrase is "dummy thick." I think as far as describing is that the a real stature. phrase? Is
0: that a is that like something you guys coined? Uh, we call him the thick fielder
2: uh, with two C's <laughs> um, instead of a K. Um, he's a square. He is just all muscle, all all beef. It looks uh-huh. like all he's been eating his entire life is
1: like he's like an, he's uh, like an upside down numbers. triangle. He's know. like he he's he tapers wider as you go up his body. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: it's, yeah, all right.
1: So I like this, it's a strange. It's a strange kind of. Where profile. is this guy
0: from? Is it like a? a it's, it's from a, Argentina.
1: Yeah, oh. he's uh, he's from Banfield. Another Argentine. The Argentine uh, Superliga. Um. And yeah, apparently he's just a hard tackling, you know, um, defensive midfielder. So, which is, which is something that the team has needed. Uh, the team has kind of been relying on Jeff Lorenowitz to play every game and God bless him. He's done it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, 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 see kind of what role he plays. Tata Martino has, has talked about that he might play him with Jeff in some games and play two holding midfielders. He might, you know, rest him for a game. You know, they might rotate a little bit, you know, we'll see how it works out, but, uh, Atlanta the United has needed depth in that position, even going back to the, the previous uh transfer window in the in the springtime. So um that's when they were really trying to get somebody in they couldn't do it. So yeah, he'll he's he'll be you know necessary for the playoff push and or and the playoffs, but um this game maybe not so much.
2: Sounds about right. Should we go ahead and get to uh get to our predictions for this sure. one? If we want to go ahead and make one. Uh should we let our guests go first here?
0: Oh, are we gonna we we predict the score of the game. Score, score prediction. Let's go. Let's go yeah.
2: Actual score line here.
0: I'm gonna say this with a heavy heart, but I I would not be at all surprised to see a two zero Atlanta score line.
2: Oh, that's I think that's where I'm going to. That's what I, I was going to say. That sounds today. right. That we're sounds right. Okay, so all three of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I Think we're all in agreement. Yeah, it
0: sounds it sounds good to me. But you know, as you know, so as you yeah. know, my predictions about Atlanta are always spot on. <laughs>
2: yeah. We weren't gonna bring it up, man. Why could you
0: not bring we this aren't... up? This is like my, I'm, I, I, I was, I probably should change my Twitter handle for the week. Uh, number one Atlanta fan. I always, we, uh... I knew you guys had this in you. I knew it. I knew from the minute I heard Arthur Blank's name connected with Atlanta soccer, I thought. This is a gold mine. This is yeah, world this class. is gonna be yeah, the next big perfect. thing. And when people said to me, "Atlanta is probably gonna be the next Seattle," I said, "You're probably wrong because you're underestimating your own potential."
2: <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, Jeremiah once wrote a glowing review of the the he soccer. Wrote
1: the, he wrote the first potential
2: soccer con- the first ever haters guide. Yes, came from Jeremiah Ocean. That's right. Uh, there. Oh. <laughs> So saying that we essentially it. had no chance as a soccer city. Um it it
0: has not turned out the way that I don't think Major I said you had no chance. Thought. I think I said you would bring down
1: all of MLS if it would, <laughs> it would destroy the league. It would be such a disaster. So much like an Orlando City regular season campaign. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> exactly. I almost want to get I don't know, I don't know if we have the time to do it but I almost wanted to get into exactly what the reasoning for that was and everything like that but I don't know if you have to Well, I think to this like, is a, I'll say this in my else. defense.
0: In my defense, I don't even think I was going out on a limb at the time. I don't I think,
2: think you were either to be honest. I think I
0: was basically parroting what the general consensus was. I just oh, yeah. happened to be like one of the few people who apparently actually wrote this. But it was one of <laughs> yeah, those like things you where it was like Taylor that was I didn't even think it was controversial at the time. Like I was shocked. I'll be totally honest with you. I was shocked that there was any kind of response to it because it felt like it was just like, yeah, Atlanta sports sucks. And all their fans suck. And they all – no one goes to – the only people that go to Atlanta Braves games are horrible people. And they do racist chants. And they, uh, and they only come when they win games. And no one goes to Atlanta Falcons games. And no one goes to Hawks games and the Thrashers left because no one went to their games. And that's exactly what's gonna happen at Atlanta United, or which unnamed Atlanta team at the time. And they don't have a place to they're gonna they're gonna play in this huge stadium and no one's gonna watch them play. It's gonna be disgusting and sad and how pitiful it's gonna be. (laughs) And I honestly think I was saying what was like I don't even think I give myself credit for being like creative about it. Like I just parroted. (laughs) what was like the most generic sports take on Atlanta. And it turned out to be totally wrong. Who knew?
2: Yeah, no, the city bought into that in a big way. I think that that initial feeling of, Oh, this is never ever going to work. And somewhere along the line in Atlanta sports, there was a shift of just being upset about having this reputation, having teams that never won anything. And you've kind of seen that misery kind of come to a forefront over the last few years. We can do 28 to three. We can talk about all the brave stuff, everything like that. But no, the United came in as just kind of a breath of fresh air. And now I don't know really how well they're perceived around the league, I guess. But for us, it's just been a revelation of sorts. And I do want to kind of ask you you this. Atlanta
0: fans are considered by far the best fans in the league. No one says anything bad about them. They think that they are well-balanced individuals (laughs) who have a really strong perspective on where their place in the world. Good Uh uh, Uh self-awareness. And they definitely do not think that they have reinvented anything. And Sounders fans are in awe of everything that Atlanta's accomplished.
2: Now I do want to get into that a little bit because <laughs> Seattle Seattle was the first team to invent MLS yes, from what absolutely. I'm told. Well, um, no, I think Toronto. So
0: what it is first. their pre- and then we've
1: envisioned- Toronto
2: invented it first. Okay, right. gotcha. so I think gotcha.
1: I think we can agree. Just that whoever wins this game this weekend is where football In, the is the inventors going. of soccer <laughs> football is going home, which is to whichever team wins this. Uh, I this actually game. like this idea of the uh,
0: inventing an uh, Einstein Derby. Yes. yes,
2: the it's coming home cup or whatever you want to call it
0: here. Uh,
2: but what what is the perception I guess from the original team or the second team to invent MLS of now the, <laughs> this new iteration of a team that has claimed to invent soccer
0: as a whole? I mean, I I do think genuinely there is a sense from Sounders fans of like, okay, finally someone else is taking the like because I I think the for memes? a lot of us it. <laughs> Like, cause the thing is, you have to remember about like the whole Seattle invented stuff, it actually mm-hmm. predates most Sounders fans because it was this thing that really started on big soccer in like 2008 and this whole kind of aces thing where once Seattle got MLS, all of a sudden Sounders fans kind of came out of the woodwork and in 2009, I guess there was a lot of chest puffing of like, oh look at we're look at how great we are, and 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 the reality is that most of the fandom has just as the Nate, you know, as things go. I mean, that was eight nine years ago, um, and so most fans don't really even understand the genesis of it. It's just like, where is this coming from? And so when that gets thrown at them, they're kind of like, I don't I don't really get it, uh, but okay, sure, we'll 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 roll with it. Uh, And so I I think there is this Like among a lot of people The people that have kind of been around There's this sense of somewhat relief, frankly That there's another fan base That's just as insufferable And just as annoying (laughs) And uh, just as like Proud of their accomplishment Like for instance like The fact that Atlanta wins goal of the week Every time they're nominated Is like a thing Seattle used to do uh, And that would drive everyone crazy
1: Yeah, And,
0: And I think that you know, at some point, Sounders, especially after they changed the voting method where it required a lot more effort, Sounders fans were like ah, it's not worth it anymore, <laughs> and uh, and and so I think there is this sense of like, okay, yeah, let someone else be the insufferable fan base, and we'll just you know quietly. I mean, Sounders fans aren't going to quietly go about anything, but I do think that there's this sense that you know they're they're willing to take a back seat and sh- there's definitely some frustrations over like how amazed the out out amazed like outside media like at the same time there's always going to be this like geez like these glowing documentaries about how great atlanta soccer is is like okay this is a little much is this real are they really doing anything other people haven't done but at the same time i watch some of these atlanta soccer documentaries and i'm blown away like frankly like it's like I'm jealous of some of the stuff that y'all you, you have put together. It's, it's really amazing. Like the whole street soccer thing is, is pretty impressive. Uh, like, I don't know exactly, you know, I, I can only speak from the perception that mm-hmm. I get from across the country, but this idea that there's all these street soccer stadium or soccer uh, fields, like at Marta station seems really cool. And, uh, and Seattle is actually trying to do something similar with uh, the Ray foundation, which is a, an organization the Sounders started where they're trying to build like urban kind of small-sided soccer pitches. Um, but anyway, so I do think that there's, the, like, at least in Seattle, there's kind of like, yeah, yeah, let let them have their fun, you know, and then when they never, you know, it's like, I'm sure there was this general sense of like, eh, that's how it goes when, when you guys got knocked out of the playoffs and penalties or last year. It was kind of like, yep, you're, you're like getting to the top at the right at the beginning isn't necessarily all it's cut out to be. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. Um, But I I do think that for the most part, if people are being honest, there's like a genuine sense of maybe not awe, but people are really impressed by what Atlanta has been able to accomplish, especially considering they're never like, at least from the outside looking in, there was nothing, there was no sign of this, there was no hint that there was this bubbling soccer culture that was just ready to explode with 45,000 people a game, 70, you know, whatever, what's the record? I know you guys are drawn to 72,000 in a game. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, these are numbers that like when, like when Seattle had their first 67,000 attendance game, it was seemingly unbelievable, but it was also like this one-off event that happened once uh, over, you know, it was like they did 60 and then they did 67 for a Timbers game. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, this is, no one's ever gonna do anything like this and then atlanta comes in and it's like oh yeah like anytime we want we can pull in 70 (laughs) it's what it seemed like anyway um and it was like in in like there's forty five thousand people there every game that the atmosphere just seems to be really fun i mean it's it's like that it's it's like again from this is all outside perception but that there's like this probably can significantly more than most fan bases like a multicultural uh group of people that are attending these games that it's uh that, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's really great to see. And I, and I do genuinely, um I am happy to see kind of like more teams like it, that Seattle does what they do and is not clearly the best at it anymore is I think a sign of a healthy league.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if you realize this Jeremiah, but you have sent me, you know, because Jeremiah is, you know, my, I don't know, boss, I guess you could say, on uh, SB Nation Soccer. Um, and he sent me, you know, some writers. I don't know how you get these resumes, but there will be resumes that come into Jeremiah that he forwards to me. And I've received a 40-page research paper on hmm. Atlanta United. And I've also received, um, what was it? Uh, oh, no, someone was writing their grad school paper, yeah, on Atlanta United. So, um, yeah, it's really amazing. But I think, um, I think we can talk about that some more some other day because like i said it's a huge it's a huge thing to to tackle so jeremiah just got kicked out of our uh looks like he's coming back in but i think we can just go ahead and wrap this up what do you say sam
2: yeah sounds good to me jeremiah was awesome if he can hear us uh hopefully he goes back and maybe listens to the end of this part uh but we really enjoyed having jeremiah on uh go check out seattle or sounder at heart uh for all your your preview enemy spying needs if you need to do that they they do a phenomenal job of covering everything Seattle. Uh their their motto is on the back of the freaking jersey. Uh that's not even a joke. Um they they do awesome <laughs> stuff. They do awesome stuff. But one day we're going to get Dirty South Soccer's motto on the back, which is What is hey, the Dirty South
0: Soccer motto anyway? All
2: right, uh, hey, at least we're not Deadspin. Is is <laughs> the, the running title at this point.
0: Um I so. mean I I will say that um I like for all the uh for all the hate mail that i ever see from atlanta fans um i have been extremely proud of what y'all have been able to accomplish there and not to like turn this into a uh you know in, in into some kind of uh self congratulatory situation but uh i i was very very like I don't I don't I was I I was honestly pessimistic about what was going on in Atlanta before anything actually happened but once you know ticket sales started it was immediately clear that I was totally wrong and I will say like I was like I think one of the funny things is like people email me like two years later oh what an idiot It's like, guys, I've come to terms with this like a year and a half ago. This is not new. This is not any, you're not telling me anything new. You really think that I've spent the last two or three years like, oh, I'm just waiting for it to collapse. Like, I'm aware. I'm very aware what's going on there. But, and so it's like, I'm, and I'm super stoked. Like I, I see, I see you guys like, you know, how many people are paying attention to Atlanta United, how many people are reading Dirty South Soccer. I see this stuff every day and it's it's really impressive. I mean, it like the ramp up has just been it's been unbelievable. I mean, yeah. like to compare Dirty South Soccer and year, I mean, I guess you guys had a a year head start on the team, so it's like your third or fourth year the site's existence, but to compare it to where you know Sounder Heart was at that point in its existence, it's way ahead of it. Yeah. And it um you know, it's it's just very impressive. I I I love reading the site. I find a lot of stories there that I find genuinely fascinating.
1: Well, we have a lot of people. I mean, you've been very obviously supportive of our site. We have a uh, huge debt to pay to Rob Ushri, who has really been like he was the one who founded the site. And uh, I don't and know who that done, is. And, a, <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and it's that a major us either? The guys we the,
2: actually have like, never like, met Rob. Like, so yeah,
1: you're we're actually yeah, I, he, I, I, a I, Russian I, troll. I, like we, the only we
0: thing, are... I, the only reason I really want, I was like at some, one point I was, I had this idea that I was going to go to Atlanta for this week and I was going to do this video where I basically introduced myself as the guy who wrote this. Like, if you like, did you ever read that story that Jeremiah O'Shaan wrote? Or that <laughs> I, I wouldn't use my name, but I would say, do you remember that story that said Atlanta would never make it in in uh, MLS? What do you have to say to the person that wrote that? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's me! Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, the other reason, I wanted to do that, which obviously I didn't do, but I also wanted to go meet Rob in person because I'm so skeptical that this is a real person. and not, Me too. Not like So none of you guys have, have actually met Rob in person?
2: Absolutely none of us have ever met oh, him or perfect. seen him.
0: That's no. so perfect. Oh,
2: I've driven Internet, through his town an before and thought about contacting him, but it's just, I, I don't know. I think I'd be like, never meet your heroes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Right. Right scared of it. I'm he's like
0: a 60-year-old well, like dude like, that lives at home with his <laughs> mom. We're all getting Not catfish. Wait, right, we're all getting Exactly. Cat, exactly. Rob is like, yeah. Rob is me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Jeremiah, man, thank you so much for coming on our, our stupid little H-dad here uh, with us and uh, the preview in this game. We really, really appreciate it. Anything you want to plug either on SBN or Sounder Heart, anything uh, you're working on Right now that you want to push uh, before we log off here.
0: God, I wish I was. I feel guilty for not having anything. Uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitter and, and hurl insults at me, I'm uh, Jer- at Jeremiah Oshan. Uh, you can read my stuff at Sound at Heart. But really, I, I am mainly a, uh, a proponent of SB Nation's soccer properties. I think that we do a kind of coverage that no one else is doing. And if you have a favorite team, there's a pretty good chance that SB Nation has a blog that covers it. And I highly encourage you to go out and find it and join that community and participate in it because it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we get to help create things like Dirty South
1: Soccer.
2: All right. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Joe Patrick. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here?
1: No, but if you have a problem with the ticket prices, write a fan post. We want to hear them.
2: There you go. There you go. That'll do it. This one goes down, by the way, 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon in Atlanta. We'll see y'all there. Bye, y'all. See ya.